With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thank you for listening to the Turn on the Jets podcast this week. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And you're about to hear a great conversation between Joe Caparoso and Joe Blewett the host of TOJ Film Room at Turn on the Jets Digital. You can subscribe to Joe's YouTube show, Turn on the Jets TV on YouTube, or of course subscribe to his iTunes feed. Nobody does as good a job of looking at Jets film as Joe Blewett, so whether it's video form or audio form, you want to make sure you're not missing out every week. We're going to get to that conversation in just a second, but real quickly, just want to remind you about the other great podcasts we have available at Turn on the Jets Digital. Right now, there is a brand new episode of Play Like a Jet, my podcast, with Daryl Slater recapping the green and white scrimmage from last night. Also, part six of our discussion with Albert Breer on the road to Sam Darnold is available. If you missed any of the other days of training camp, our recaps with Daryl Slater, or any of the other previous parts of the road to Sam Darnold with Albert Breer, it's all in our archives. So if you subscribe on iTunes, you'll get all of it. The Jet Take with Kyle Fahey and Ben Blessington. They've got an exclusive interview with Manish Mehta up right now. You can check that out on iTunes. And coming this week, the launch of Know Your Foe with Michael Nania, taking an in-depth look at the Jets' opponent every week as we get ready for Jets-Falcons. He will have a great guest on from the Atlanta Falcons media. And episode number three of What's Your Point? Your weekly New York Jets debate show with Dalvin Asario and Pauly Brzez. This week, your special guest judge will be Chris Nimbley of JetsInsider.com. Real quickly, also want to remind you that gambling is legal now. So you don't just want to play like the pros, you want to win like the pros. And the only people that can help you do that are the fine people over at Razorsport.com. They've got access to all the mathematical formulas and algorithms. Sign up today, Razorsport.com. That's R-A-Z-E-R sport.com. With all that said, now let's get to Joe Blewett and Joe Caparoso on the Turn on the Jets podcast. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast, presented by Prime Sport. With the third pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Sam Darnold, quarterback, USC. What should the Jets expect from you? Um, a lot of wins. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we are joined by our film room guru, our film room expert, Joe Blewett. We're going to dive into talking about last night's green and white scrimmage, talk about what Joe's seen the few times he's been out at camp, and then also talk about what to look for in week one of the preseason as the Jets will kick off against Atlanta six days from now. We'll also uh, answer a few of your questions from Twitter before we wrap. Thank you to Scott Mason on the intro. Uh, before we jump into talking with Joe, want to remind you guys, August 24th, we have our first watch party and live podcast at Willie McBride's in Hoboken, New Jersey. That's on 6th and Grand. They're going to have football, uh, drink, and food specials. So come out, hang out with myself, Connor, Greg, a few other people from the site will be out there and just, you know, going to keep it casual, watch the Jets hopefully uh, play well against the Giants, drink some beers, and uh, talk football. So make sure to check out William McBride's if you're in the Hoboken area, and especially make sure to check it out on the 24th. 
All right, let's jump into it. Joe, I, I mean, the hardest working man in film breakdowns right now. How have you been feeling these past few weeks with everything you've been working on? Um, I'm busy, man. It's trying to break down, you know, just tons of players because I have a couple of different shows coming up, breaking down, you know, entire uh, position groups from the front seven to the secondary to the tight ends, the receivers, the, the running backs. So I'm going to say in the last couple of months since I've joined, uh, TOJ, I've probably done 40 to 45 player breakdowns and I've probably watched every single Jets game at least 20 times over. So I'm happy. I just finished doing actually Dimitri Flowers. So that's my last guy I had to watch. I'm done with all 2017, 2016. Uh, now it's time to start breaking down, you know, 2018 film and the Jets actually play. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to watch games that I don't already know the exact outcome when people are gonna get penalties what happens on this play so i'm I'm excited been working hard it's just about that time and really can't wait to see everything that you're able to dive into this year so you've been out been out to camp for a few times now even though the jets are only about a week in what have been your main sort of two or three observations from what you've seen on the practice field so far um, I would say the guys, like in terms of, you know, people who stood out, uh, the main guys, Derek Jones is one that we've been hearing about a lot. I thought it was also interesting that Doug Middleton was getting first team, uh, team reps in, in place of Marcus May, who, who has been injured. It's not a severe injury, but they're just, you know, being safe, obviously with him. Uh, maybe that's because JJ Wilcox is, is a new player to the team and maybe, um, you know, Terrence Brooks isn't playing the role that Middleton does as a backup safety for, uh, Marcus May, if that is the case. So uh, Middleton has stood out just in terms of like not you know being terrible in that first team. I think Shepard has stood out. Uh, Trenton Cannon has obviously really stood out. I think that's like the camp darling as of right now. Um, so he's looked pretty good. Trey McBride has looked pretty good. And there's a couple of other guys. And in terms of bad guys, since we're only doing a few guys, I would say uh, the hopeful you know left tackle, the future Antonio Garcia, has been pretty underwhelming to me. Um, Dimitri Flowers has struggled a little bit. I think that Rawls has looked really, really bad, and I think Leggett has looked pretty bad as well. So that's like the things that kind of just stick out at the top of on the top of my head right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like just kind of reading between the lines, and it's early in camp, and things could of course change for the preseason. I feel like guys like Jordan Leggett, Rawls, Sharon Peak uh, are not long for this world. I, I just don't see how they're going to stick on the roster, particularly with how some other players at their positions have stepped up. I feel like a tight end, we've heard a lot of positive mm-hmm. things about Herndon and Neil Sterling, and even to a lesser extent, Clive Walford. So all of a sudden, reps get kind of crowded there. And for Leggett, if you can't stay on the field, how are you going to stick on the roster? And then if you look over at running back, the Jets just drafted Cannon. You sign Rawls to basically a minimum contract. If it's even a remotely close competition, you're going to go with Cannon. And I feel like Cannon's been showing enough where – even if, let's say, Andre Roberts is the primary returner, the Jets could still keep Cannon as sort of that third, fourth back, depending on McGuire's health, and find a way to creatively use him in some offensive packages. And he's probably another guy who could contribute on some other special teams units. He doesn't just have to be a returner because of his speed, no? Yeah, no, exactly. You can find different ways to use him, whether it be like even on, you know, just on a swing pass or, or a screen and use him, you know, five snaps a game because of that breakaway speed, you know, Powell and McGuire and even Cruel to a certain extent have some explosion, but his speed is just absurd. Um, I didn't expect to come into camp to see what I have from Cannon, but the way he takes that edge and the way he's able to make jump cuts through multiple gaps, you know, um, through the defensive line is, is really impressive. So I think that he's going to stick right now. I would be pretty surprised if he, 
if he didn't because he is the most important or not the most important but the most uh player who stood out so far in training camp so unless training camp means absolutely nothing which to a certain extent it does we all know that you know from being years of jets fans and hearing about guys like ryan spadola and you know chris awusu and all this but um yeah, I would be surprised if Cannon doesn't make the roster. And, you know, maybe a guy who only gets five to ten snaps a game, uh, but he is that home, you know, that home run threat that the Jets don't really have in terms of running backs. Obviously, with wide receiver, they have that. And then you mentioned tight end, too, with with Leggett. Um, and Leggett, it's it's weird because Leggett coming out of college, you hear at Clemson, you know, he's really good at route running and all this stuff. And I watched the film. I wasn't too impressed. And I go into camp, and I'm not really too impressed with his route running either. Uh, he looks like the kind of like the third best route runner on the team right now, which isn't good because that's the only way he's going to make his money and make the team because he's not a blocking tight end, as we all know. Neil Sterling has looked substantially better than him, and so has Chris Hernan. And, um, at, you know, those two guys are, those two guys are going to be above him. And also you have Eric Tomlinson, who is, you know, keyed in as the blocking tight end because he's the only true blocking tight end that the Jets have in the roster. He is a really good uh, blocker where he could block an outside linebacker or a defensive end. So those are three guys penciled in. And then with that, too, like you said, uh, to a certain extent, Clive Walford has, has also stepped up a little bit. So I think Jordan Leggett's uh, shot to make the roster dwindling by the day, especially the fact that he's injured right now, too. Looking back over at cornerback, Derek Jones is a guy who's grabbed a decent amount of headlines so far. A guy who's a converted receiver, has that length and athleticism that has some Jet fans excited that he's being coached up by Antonio Cromartie, who had a somewhat similar build. Let's say Morris Claiborne weathers his usual annual injuries. Is Jones someone who could potentially be ready to step up and take some of those reps on the outside, allowing Buster Screen to stay in the slot? instead of moving him outside the numbers where we know he's struggled a lot over the past few years, could Jones actually be that sort of, I guess it's basically the fourth corner uh, at this point. And does he have that far of a leg up on everyone else who's in that room right now? Yeah. So he's been the corner who's probably stood out the most uh, in camp as well. Obviously, you know, guys like Claiborne and Tremaine Johnson have stood out, but we expected that. So guys who, you know, um, are the lesser known players. I think Jones has set up the most and it's kind of hard to tell at practice. And especially, you know, you played wide receiver in college, I believe. So, you know, um, watching the film, you really have to break down leverages. Are they, are they backpedaling too high? How are they out of their breaks? Is, you know, do they take a proper T step? What leverage are they playing with all this stuff? So it's kind of hard to tell, you know, on the practice field, because on the practice field, it, it looks like he's just really athletic. He has really good, uh, vertical jump. He's really good speed, so that that you see on the practice field, but you really need that you know that coach's film to be able to tell um, how well uh, he actually is playing. You know, does he open his hips too soon, um, and all of these different things. So as of right now, he's standing out, and I think he has a good shot to make the roster. He is getting the second team reps over guys, you know, like Rob, uh, you know, like uh, Darrell Roberts and like Jeremy Clark. So a guy who I viewed to be a long shot to make the roster, you know, just a month ago, I think has a pretty good shot now. Um, and hopefully he is that fourth corner because like you said, and I just said that he has really, you know, in, uh, interesting athletic traits and the jets are um, pretty thin at, you know, depth corner right now. So if a guy like him, you know, he uh, steps up and then it's obviously a pretty good thing for the jets. So I do think it's a realistic op- uh, opportunity because it's not like the jets have a star studded, you know, fourth, fifth and sixth, uh, you know, spots in the depth chart. So. One of the main headlines, if not the main headline coming out of last night, is that starting left tackle Kelvin Beecham is, a wa- is in a walking boot. Todd Bowles is pretty vague on how serious the injury is. If Beecham is not available early in the season, how much trouble are the Jets in? Ben Angelano probably steps in to become the starting left tackle temporarily. He's a guy who started, I think, somewhere around 12 or 13 games a few years ago between right and left tackle. 
How big of a drop-off are the Jets looking at, and how does that have a ripple effect potentially down the rest of the line? It, it, it has a big drop-off. Um, it's obviously not saying too much because the Jets' offensive line, and I've been pretty bullish on this. I, I think they were really, really bad last year, and I would probably sell, uh, say that, that Kelvin Beachman was the best you know, um, offensive lineman on the team, which you have to watch film to, to really know that. But he was a decent pass uh, protector. He's really bad in the run game, obviously, but I would call him somewhere around average. And going from an average left tackle, which is, you know, the most important position on the line, to Ben Ajalana, who, you know, we saw in those 12 to 13 games, wherever it was, 11, 12, 13 games they started a few years ago. He's a good backup swing tackle, but he should not be a starter in the NFL. That's, that goes without saying. He was pretty, you know, pretty, ter- uh, you know, horrible at times. So uh, it's, a, it's a big drop off from average to really bad as a, as a starter, you know, hurts. And then obviously it takes a, it's a ripple effect on the offensive line because you're not really going to be able to run to the left side at all. Um, that affects, you know, J- James Carpenter. He's going to have to account for, uh, you know, the edge rusher more because of, you know, Ben Ajalana, are they going to be able to pick up stunts well? If it's an ET stunt or a TE stunt, is Ajalana going to pick it up correctly? Or is, you know, James Carpenter going to have to carry um, the defender into uh, too far out of his zone to make up for Kelvin Beecham? Then he's not able to flip his hips and, and grab the, the stunter coming into the, you know, the B gap. So it, it affects the, the offensive line, especially the guy right next to him. Um, and also affects the Jets play calling because they're not, they're going to have to take you know, uh, plays either playbook to have seven, you know, five to seven step drops and, you know, do three step drops. So, so, uh, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a shorter throw time. So you don't have to worry about the backside, uh, you know, tackle, uh, getting destroyed and, and hitting Bridgewater, whoever's a starter from behind. So, um, it, it affects the whole offensive line. It is a big drop off. Heading into Friday, how are you anticipating the quarterback rotation to work out? My guess, and that's all it is at this point, is a guess is that. Mm-hmm. McCann will start the game, play one, maybe two series. Then we see Bridgewater maybe for three series, and then Darnold plays the majority of the game. Maybe I could see that you know being jumbled around a little bit between Bridgewater and Darnold, but it feels like coming out of last night, the Jets are not going to be shy about flooding Darnold with reps. Uh, he played the most, it, it seemed, out of all the quarterbacks last night. We know that they don't feel much of an urge to play McCown in the preseason or camp, which I get with him being 39, and we saw last year – so how are you expecting the reps to break down Friday night against Atlanta? Yes, yeah, kind of same as you. I expect McCown for a series or maybe two. Um, and it's kind of interesting with Bridgewater because I think we both agree that the Jets are going to try to trade Bridgewater. So I'm interested to see if they're going to play him for like just a couple of series, like you said, or maybe they, they let him finish out the first half to kind of show what he can do. You know, so teams who are quarterback needy you know, take a look at that film and say, oh, crap, you know, he's playing pretty well. Let's trade the Jets, you know, a third or fourth round pick. So I'm interested to see if they're going to play him um, for that first half. If I had to guess, you know, I, w- I would say McCown for a series or two, Bridgewater for three or four series, maybe to end that first half. And then Donald maybe gets a series or two in that first half and then finishes out the second half because Donald obviously needs his reps. He's a 21-year-old quarterback um, who has a lot to learn. So they're not going to be shy about playing um, Donald. So that's why I expected the breakdown. All right. I want to uh... – rip through a handful of different questions we've got on Twitter over uh, the past few hours or so. Um, first one comes from Andrew, which is uh, at too nice has a ball. Interesting handle. Do you think Chris Herndon can match the production ASJ had last year? I think Herndon from everything we've heard has kind of turned some heads has been involved. Yeah. And for a fourth round rookie, seems like he'll be more involved offensively than usually fourth round rookies are. 
I think from a physical skill set, I don't see any reason to, you know, if you look at what ASJ really produced last year and what his yards per catch were, it's not that crazy of a hurdle for Herndon to reach. I think it's just a matter of targets, though, because when you have Anua back, you got Curse, you got Hanson, of course you have Anderson, Mm -hmm. and the backs. I don't know how many, quite how many targets he's going to get per game, but what do you think is a good sort of target stat line for Herndon this year? Oh, geez, project, uh, projecting the uh, the stat line. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's a lot of fans, I think, because the last good tight end the Jets have had, which was Dustin Keller, they really, you know, kind of overrate what Austin Safarian Jenkins last year. Maybe you can call him an average receiving tight end, but he didn't really he didn't really do much in the blocking game. Um, so, yeah, he, like, he can match his production, but just like you said, it's it's dependent on on targets. Um, the Jets obviously have a, a ton of. Um, receivers right now and even you know a couple of more running backs who are more versatile than they were last year with Matt Forte um, you're replacing him with Cruel who's a better running back at this point uh, you know 2018 and then you have Cannon who's been exploding so does he get enough targets with Robbie Anderson with the noon walk coming back with Jermaine Curse with Chad Hansen uh, potentially stepping up and all this so do I think he could yeah but just like you said it's it's dependent on targets um, he's a guy who can block he can run multiple routes he can he can run after the catch we saw Miami um, last year, utilized him on a lot of bubble screens. So he's a guy that obviously can can run after the catch, and we saw uh, him chucking some guys over and even making some nice cuts in the open field. So I think he can. I think he can actually. He has the potential, but just like you said, how many targets is he going to get? Next question is from Alan Schechter. What do you expect at a defensive line? They don't have stars like the past, but they have talented young players. I think this is a pretty interesting group. I feel like Anderson and Shepard are going to platoon opposite Leonard Williams. You're going to have McClendon playing the nose tackle, and then you have guys like Mike Pinnell and Xavier Cooper also bouncing around. Can you talk a little bit about some of the different techniques and alignments and what kind of roles those top five guys will probably play up front for the Jets? Yeah, so obviously Leonard Williams is, is the is the D-end. He usually plays from three to five tech. Uh, Pennell is your your prototypical you know 330-pound guy who's only going to play zero or one tech. Uh, Steve McClendon's a little bit more versatile where he's going to play anywhere from zero to three. Uh, I think he's actually really, really effective as a three tech. I think people overlooked that a little bit, but he has really good penetration into the backfield, especially against guards. So uh, he, he can play, you know, all over the line, um, but you do mostly want to keep him inside, but a little bit more versatile than just a nose tackle. Uh, Shepard's a guy when watching his film looks like a guy who's more of a three to a five tech, uh, even though at, at, at camp, it seems like the Jets were playing him a little bit at two and two I, um, so he's going to play all over the line. I think he's, he's your true, like him and Leonard Williams, um, Nathan Shepard are, are the guys who could really move all up and down the line. But I would expect, like you said, him to be the, the, you know, semi starter outside or on the other side of Leonard Williams with Henry, Henry Anderson, Henry Anderson. I don't, he played all over the line with the Colts. He played, you know, two, two, I three, four, four, I five, six, seven, eight, all this stuff. But I think he, his fit is really as a five. Um, and I didn't really understand the, the talk with him that he was, you know, he wasn't suited for a four three. I actually think he's more suited for a four three than he is for a three four. I just don't think he has the power to anchor down versus combo blocks um, and to and to hold multiple gaps. But he's your he's your five tech. He's he's a strictly um, a five tech in my opinion, maybe a four tech. Um, with Xavier Cooper, he's he's another one of those guys. He doesn't really have a ton of strength, but he's pretty quick, so he's a five tech type of guy. And then the last guy. I believe if I didn't miss anybody, it's full of uh, Fado Kassi. He's I think he's going to play kind of like that Steve McClendon role where he's more of a of a zero to a three tech. I don't really think you're going to see Fado Kassi a lot, you know, as a five tech on that edge. 
Next question from at Roy McGuin ninety three. Whose career will Sam Darnold resemble the most in the NFL? And when do you think Brady will hang it up? I think pending how New England season goes, this could absolutely be Brady's last year. I think if they win the Super Bowl, he'd retire. So it's kind of a, a catch twenty two there for Jet fans. I think if he gets hurt relatively seriously, I think this would be it for him. But one or two years at the max, and maybe that's just an overly optimistic Jet fans' opinion with Darnold. I've kind of previously compared his game to as a ceiling, you know, a healthy Andrew Luck, a little bit of Tony Romo in his game. As a floor, mm-hmm. I, I've had a tough time kind of finding like a comp on the floor, although I feel like the floor for him is not quite as low as some of the other guys uh, in the draft. I feel like he kind of bottoms out as like an okay, competent starter. I don't think he's going to be someone who would like tank out of the league like you've seen with like a Christian Hackenberg or a Bryce Petty, but. You know, I think realistically, if he develops right and is coached up right, I don't think it's insane to expect that five, six years from now, or maybe even a little less than that, he could be a guy who has a game that reminds people a little bit of what Andrew Luck was prior to the injury or what Tony Romo was prior to all his injuries. Who are some other names that you've kind of associated with him? Me and Scopel actually did a podcast last week and, um, you know, just based around the Jets quarterbacks. So we did like, you know, two hours just breaking down their film. And both of us, I think Tony, Tony Romo is, is the best comp from him. Uh, I think also Andrew Luck's a good comp, uh, kind of, or maybe even like a Ben Roethlisberger, but Ben Roethlisberger, less strength, but more athletic, um, is kind of a good comp as well. Uh, and I agree with the floor too. The floor is hard because I, I have looked through the quarterbacks. Cause I, I've gotten that floor question too, but I just don't see anybody. Um, you know, around that average range with the traits that he does. I really think that he has a pretty high floor uh, in Sam Darnold. He just has so many special traits from anticipation throws to keeping his eyes downfield and the pockets collapsing to be able to throw on the run, having that it factor, having that clutch factor. Uh, yeah, he threw some interceptions, but we went over all those interceptions and, you know, what they were the result of. It's not like he's making, you know, a bad read on a simple concept like a slant flat or something like that. It's more about aggression and honing that in at sometimes. So I, I really do think he has a, a uh, high floor, like you just said. And I think, you know, the Tony Romo, uh, Andrew Luck without the injuries, even hopefully Tony Romo without the injuries, you know, a, a lesser, uh, you know, less powerful Big Ben, but more athletic is, is another good comp. A guy who's going to take a shot in the mouth, keep his eyes downfield, who's going to make, you know, some athletic plays. He's not Lamar Jackson, but he, he his wheels will show at times. So uh, I like those three guys. All right, last question before we wrap from at Lipocratus. What happened with Chad Hansen? Was a big talking point in mini camp, but now he isn't rarely mentioned in any camp reports. And who will be this year's Justin Burris, a guy who's hyped up in camp but doesn't play much in the season? So with Hanson, I would say it's hard to always gauge from camp reports. I think it's maybe sometimes it's easier for someone to pop in a few practices and then they go a week without popping in a few practices and people assume that they're playing poorly. I don't think that's been the case with Hanson. I do, do know he made a couple grabs last night. I still think it's reasonable to think that once you get past the top three guys in the depth chart, Anderson, Inouye, and uh, Curse, that it's really Pryor and Hanson are sort of the next two guys and I still feel like they have a little space ahead of everybody else in terms of a guy who gets hyped up a little too much in camp and then maybe isn't quite as good as a hype or doesn't play as much. Uh, that's a bit of a tough question. I, you know, I look at outside, I thought it was interesting with outside linebacker last night, the jets were playing Brandon Copeland and, and Frankie Louvu with the first team. Maybe they like their pass rushing ability a little more than a guy like Jordan Jenkins and 
uh, Josh Martin, who were kind of the default starters last year. And you look at the rest of that group, most Jet fans probably know the names Lorenzo Malden or Dylan Donahue uh, and everything else. But those guys are probably further from making the roster or making an impact than guys maybe like a Copeland or a Louvre or even Josh Martin, who I still think gets looked over by Jet fans. What, what do you think about that, Joe? Yeah, so for the first question with Hanson, yeah, he obviously we heard, we heard his name a lot in spring practices. He's making a ton of catches, a ton of nice plays. Uh, as you know, too, just with like Robbie Anderson alone, there's, there's, there could be plenty of times in practice where Hanson's getting open and he's just not getting looked. Maybe he ran a really good route. Maybe he made a really nice break. Um, he, maybe he created some separation. He, he, you know, he held his line and stacked the, the corner, but he's just not getting the ball. So it's hard without that film to say that he's really not popping just because he's not making highlight catches and not getting, you know, the stat line. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about that, but you know, like, like you said, I think he is that, that fourth or fifth guy. I think he's competing with Terrell Pryor right now, um, for that fourth spot in the, in the wider, uh, wide receiver rotation. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I, I do agree that he has, uh, he is much farther above guys like Ardarius Stewart and even Andre Roberts and, you know, Trey McBride, things like that, or Charles Johnson. So he's competing with Pryor for that fourth spot. Hopefully he wins it, obviously, because he's younger and he's a draft pick. Uh, Pryor is probably, you know, a guy who's on the team for one or two years. So you have to root for Hanson there. And then a guy, that's a, that's a hard question. A guy who I think is getting a ton of camp buzz and is not going to play that much during the season. Um, maybe. Maybe it's Perry, uh, Perry Nickerson. Uh, he's been getting some some camp buzz, and people are saying, you know, how good he was. And I understand, you know, the pro football focus stats, they come out and say, you know, whatever it was. He only allowed this completion percentage. He had this many pass deflections, this many interceptions, but he also played at Tulane. So you kind of have to weigh the stats versus where he played in the competition he was playing. And he has really good um, athletic traits. You know, he can flip his hips. He can run really fast. He has really good bursts from a standstill. But I watched a film of him at Tulane, and, uh, you know, the film I could get at Tulane, there's not too much available. Um, and I wasn't as impressed as I previously thought I would be going into watching the film. So maybe he's a guy who is getting buzzed up a little bit too much right now. I think he could be a good player. Um, but I, I still think he has a lot of technique work. Uh, you know, that's definitely in terms of his feet and popping up at the snaps. So maybe he's a guy who's getting a little bit buzzed up right now, who's not going to be as impressive during the season or get as many uh, snaps, if I had to guess now. All right. Everybody, go follow Joe on Twitter. He is at JoeRB31. Everyone, of course, go give me a follow on Twitter as well, at JCaparoso. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube to follow Joe's work, Breaking Down Jets Film. That's just YouTube.com slash Turn on the Jets TV. And uh, we'll be back later in the week uh, with a midweek podcast before the preseason game. And then we'll have one recapping the podcast next weekend. Appreciate everybody listening. Any final words for the uh, listeners and Jet fans, Joe? Like you said, go follow us on YouTube. Go to uh, the podcast app, TOJ Film Room. A lot of exciting things coming up. I just had a show, like I said, with with Mark Schofield breaking down the quarterbacks. This week doing a show with, you know, two-time uh, Pro Bowl and Defensive Rookie of the Year, Eric McMillan, to break down the entire Jets secondary. Week after that, got ex-Jets defensive back Marcus Coleman to break down wide receivers and tight ends. Then we got front seven with TJ Barnes and then uh, offensive line with somebody we'll, we'll find. So a lot of exciting things going for TOJ Film Room. Uh, Jets fans smile. Uh, hopefully Tom Brady retires next year, even though maybe that's a little bit too optimistic. Uh, the Jets are an exciting team uh, and you know looking forward to the season. All right. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week.